Hello everyone, and welcome to the Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Ragland, and before I continue, I want to start by saying thank you for all the newfound support with these past few episodes. Seriously, the last episode alone blew up better than I expected, with close to 200 views on YouTube. That doesn't sound like much, but it means a lot, so thank you. For today's episode, we have the heartwarming Matt McKnight on the podcast, an illustrator with a genuine love for art and others. This interview was very uplifting, and I hope you get as much out of this as I did. He was just a ray of sunshine, and you should go support him in the links below. Also, I want to note that this guest was recommended to me by my close friend Alex Foster, which you can find on the Anime Egotists. Click the link below if you want a cool, fresh perspective on your favorite animes. And as always, don't forget to follow me on your favorite audio streaming platform or subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, follow us on Twitter at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest suggestions. Also, I'm going to go ahead and apologize. There was one or two times where the connectivity between the two of us was a bit rough, but it shouldn't take away from the overall podcast experience. And now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. All right, Matt, before we get things going, I have to start every podcast with the icebreaker question. So, Matt, what is your most... What is your most unpopular art opinion? I like Jeff Koons. You like Jeff Koons. Okay. Care to elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, when I was in art school, uh, a lot of people always say, Jeff Koons, why this guy? Why is he always in the galleries? Why is he always in the museums? I don't get it. He has other people do their stuff. And to me, the reason I say I like Jeff Koons uh, I'm a big fan of seeing art in person. I know in the world that we're in right now, it's kind of a, a goofy world. It's kind of on fire. It's kind of not. But seeing things in person, uh, to me, art is a completely empathetic process. It's basically someone internalizing the outside world, seeing how, how they can respond to it and conveying it to other people. And I did not understand Jeff Koons and his work from, you know, most of my consumption has been through books Right. video the way we've grown up but seeing the pieces in person i'm not saying i completely understand everything he's trying to say with his work but it spoke to me it, it made me feel things and i felt with him which is the process of empathy so i i, I grew i started to grow an appreciation for their work and now i've come to like their work also uh me likey pretty colors and jeff coon's uses pretty colors so uh i like jeff coons a lot of people might like might not okay so yeah uh, for those in the audience that don't know who jeff coons is what is like his style what is his like yo jeff coons is some would say um jeff coons is a some would say a multimedia fine artist um most mostly has done painting sculptures many many things and um, one piece that really spoke to me is uh, he usually has a, a studio of other artists who specifically each one, one is specifically mixing colors, one is specifically applying colors, one is specifically sculpting things. And he'll, uh, like one piece I remember seeing is uh, he had a, um, a respirator for scuba diving. Okay. And... Uh, if at first glance you see it, it's just a respirator, it's a scuba diving kit, and it's just laying on the floor. And everybody just walking by is like, "What? What? I don't, I don't get it. It's just a, it's just a piece of scuba diving gear." But then you start realizing at the process that it made, and it was completely made of metal, oh. so it would be completely useless. And basically, something that's meant to save your life, to give you air, would not only one weigh you down, but two be completely useless, and three. Um, I realize a lot of Jeff Koons work involves the process of breathing life into something. He, he uses a lot of balloons in his imagery, okay. be it physical or flat. Uh, he uses a lot of, um, like life rafts, but the life raft is made out of metal. So it could be completely useless, right. uh, scuba diving gear, things like that. And, um, also like, I remember I saw one of his shows where, he had classical marble sculptures, but they were holding these, these like neon balloons. Oh, here's one. 
Um, it's probably about 10 years ago. He made the balloon animals. The balloon animals made out of metal, and they were like neon colored balloons. Oh, okay. And everybody's just like, oh, it's just a, it's just a do- uh, balloon dog. But it was, it was made out of metal, and the process that they made was completely arduous. And the whole point of making it, I mean, some could say they made it just to make it, uh, just to make it. But just seeing it in person, the way that it, the light refracts off of it, the colors, the feeling, it, it made me feel good. I liked it. I mean, and it... also a little bit sinister, <laughs> but I liked it. No, that that seriously is awesome. Here, hearing about this stuff, it, it reminds me of a, a different artist. I don't know if you ever heard of him, Marcel Duchamp. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say like hearing stuff yeah. like that makes me think of like some of the stuff that he would develop whenever he was you know making art and yeah. such. So it's it's certainly interesting. I feel like I would probably appreciate it if I got a chance to sit down and see his work as well. So. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my favorite thing about Duchamp uh, when we were in art school, we would just kick over chairs and be like, "Bam, sculpture." There you go. <laughs> I remember uh, there was an uh, art gallery that had some of his work there. And you know the the legendary shovel yeah. where he just like wrote his signature on it and then just hung it on a string, that was there. So I got to see yeah. that. <laughs> so, but oh yeah, I like it. But nevertheless, Jeff Coombe, that is a hill you're willing to die on. Sure, why not? We yeah. all got to go sometime. All right, then if that's the case, welcome everyone to the Postmodern Art Podcast. I am your host Nathan Raglan. With me today, I have sorry. <clears throat> Hailing from Miami, Florida, a passionate fan of Batman, dogs, wrestling, and rugby, artist, actor, and illustrator, Matt McKnight. Matt, how you doing today? I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. Um, it really is an, uh, it's really wonderful to have you on. Uh, thank you for taking time every day to, you know, talk about a little bit about your art and such. Um, Again, you'll know how much I appreciate this. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's get right to the questions, shall we? Uh, I'll start with the first one. Let's start with the origin stories of the Dark McKnight. What inspired you to be an artist slash illustrator? Uh, I would say my first earliest memory is uh, me with a something that made a mark and something that received a mark. The act of drawing. I remember sitting as a child and I'm making a mark and making something. So for me, uh, my parents used to joke that I could draw before I could talk. Mm-hmm. Now I don't shut up. <laughs> and um, so basically, yeah, um, ABD, always be drawing. There we go. I mean, that's always good. Um, now, I mean, anyone could pick up and draw. It, well, they could draw if they really want to. But what inspired you to specifically go down the path of being an illustrator? Illustrator. Well, I've come to realize I really like the process of storytelling because I sincerely believe that humans are a storytelling animal. Okay. And I remember looking. I remember looking at children's books as a kid. My parents would read them to me, and I, like, don't get me wrong. I would love the story, and I love to hear the story, and I would love them to read the words to me. But when I would look at pictures, the pictures were more captivating. They were inviting. And they would they would basically start working the machinations up in my head and make me start thinking of, oh, if I was presented with like this rabbit character, how could I tell this story? How how could how could we change it up, spice it up, or how could we continue it? Cause I would get really upset when the story would end. And I'd be like, wait, 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 whoa, no, no, no. That was just Tuesday. What about Wednesday? What about Thursday? What about Friday? What about the weekend? What are they doing on the weekend? Are, do they get milk? Do they drink milk? I don't know. That. So I was just constantly coming up with these little tiny crazy stories that I made up in my head. And I'd just be like, oh, that's Batman. Yeah, he really likes bacon. I don't know why he likes bacon, but he really does. So it was. I would just say there was this just fever of me constantly like having to add things to things. And it made me really, really happy. So, uh, yeah, I would say that's why I'm drawn to illustrating. And also when I was younger, uh, I, I kind of had a, uh, I kind of had a, a little bit of trouble reading aloud and speaking. Okay. And uh, I was very timid and shy. So words alone terrified me and reading aloud was like the worst punishment you could do to me because I was constantly up in my head 
And I think it was a mixture of my imagination was running so fast and my mouth was trying to keep up. And also me just being scared that I would pronounce a word wrong. And uh, so I would basically take these images that were conjuring up and try to capture them onto a piece of paper with okay. the drawing. And I felt that the drawing could make up for what I lacked verbally. So that's why I was drawn to images and illustration. Okay. No, that that's that's actually really incredible and honestly a little inspirational. I mean, hearing that, you know. Thank you. Yeah, hearing that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it with with that mentality, was that kind of the mentality that you had whenever you created your 2018 book The Animal Alphabet? Like, well, actually that comes from that time, uh specifically I'd say around late elementary early middle school. I was middle school is a very very rough time okay uh i was very quiet didn't have many friends uh i would eat lunch alone a lot uh, i get bullied made fun of all that stuff and like the only solace that i found were like two things football and drawing but you couldn't always do football right but you could always do drawing always the second i wake up i if i couldn't find a piece of paper I would draw on the walls. I draw on my little brother's clothes. Don't do those things. You'll get in big trouble. Um, so basically, I remember I was in math class, let's say sixth to seventh grade. I'm in math class. I'm wearing the same T-shirt for three days in a row because I thought Dropkick Murphys are really cool. And they are. I just didn't know that wearing the same T-shirt for three days in a row wasn't cool. And also it might have made me a little bit smelly. But that's another story. So I'm sitting in math class, and I'm drawing all over the quiz. I got the answers right, but the teacher's like, Mr. McKnight, your answers are right, but I can't see them because they're Godzilla fighting a pterodactyl, and Winnie the Pooh is drop-kicking people. What is going on here, sir? And I just be like, you give me a piece of paper. I needed to draw. I'm sorry. So then they're like, okay, your drawings are really good, and your answers are right. So I want to see both. When you're done your test, I'll give you another piece of paper. You can take this paper and go to the back of the class and start drawing on your own. So I did those things. I would do the quiz really quick because I was really good at math. I just It wasn't really pleasing to me because it's the same problem six times different ways. So I finished the quiz. I go back to the class. And I remember kids would just start coming up to me and being like, oh, my God, are you drawing? And I'd be like, yeah, 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 just drawing, just trying to have fun here. Because I was scared. I was afraid that they'd break my pencil, rip up my paper, throw it around, make fun of me for drawing. But then I realized that art and drawing was a way for me to communicate with people. It was a way for me to understand. Because um, the way it helped, it was basically the buffer for me to be social and to start talking to people. And it helped me learn that not everybody's favorite animal is a penguin, which is mine. It helped me learn to ask people, so what's your favorite animal? Like, for example, what is your favorite animal? I would instantly gravitate to the giraffe. That is the personal favorite for me. Why the giraffe? I don't know. It's always amazing to me that, like, something like that has lasted this long with such a long neck. (laughs) I I mean, it really has. I mean, mean, with the circumstances that it is in, it's kind of easy to see. In fact, that it's easy to survive. You know, with the you know long tree, you know long neck, getting to the hot, tire, taller trees that some animals cannot get to, but yet like you know, it, it's not like it just develops. It's like it starts small and then develops. Like it's always had kind of that long neck, just like you know, if, if I was to take a window and just stretch yeah. it out, you know, it's always amazing. Would you put, would you put the tie up here or down there on the giraffe neck? Uh, I'd say down here because I feel like that's a lot closer to the actual representation of people. <laughs> and you could put it on the chest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So things like this, asking someone specifically what matters to them helped me learn about, not only learn about them, but it also gave me something to draw. The biggest question 90, 90% of people with a pencil are saying, what should I draw? Mm-hmm. If you've got someone working with you with a vision in their head and then you two team up, bam, spaghetti working. I don't know why I said spaghetti. It sounded cool. So <laughs> it, it did sound cool. <laughs> thank you. So it, it, it's a collaboration. It is a moment that is shared. And also um, I was reading up on some scientific process that people who draw something forget it less. They remember it more because the act of internalizing it, blowing it through to the hand, to the mechanical motion of creating the lines on the paper 
mm-hmm. the lines, the smudges, the dots, the what have you. Sorry, I spent a whole week just going over different ways of mark making <laughs> with my students. And um, and it, it's basically, a mo- like to me, drawing is one of the most sincere expressions that I feel I can share with someone because it's a moment shared. And to me, that's like one of the most powerful things of art. And that's why I like being an illustrator. It's basically me sharing to you, you sharing with me, us working together. Us. I, I that's, I'm trying to find words. Words are wonderful. Um, <laughs> no worries. No, I mean, that. that's seriously like awesome that that's like the mentality that you have going into this kind of stuff. And no, that, that's basically your, your art is your translator in a way. And I, yes. I really do appreciate that. Um, I'll, for you, whenever you are creating your art, whenever you are illustrating, do you have like a process going into it? Or is it just kind of one of those like, all right, this is what I'm thinking. Okay, this is it just happens. Like, do you have a process or nah? I would say my process has definitely changed over the years. If you asked me this question 10 years ago, I'd be like, I make cool drawings because I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd probably slap that person for saying such a thing to me for me now i've come to realize the what works for me might not work for other people but what works for me what what helps me is definitely having something to look forward to something like a goal um like i'll I'll, I'll relate it back to either rugby basketball or sports because my other half of my life is sport and it's it's game related so or even video game related so like let let's say you ha- you have a soccer field. Okay. You you know where the lines are, you know where it begins and where it ends, you know the boundaries in which to bound the boundaries in which you can bounce off of. And also you know where the goal is. Sometimes there may be other people on the field, sometimes it might just be you and the ball. You know where you can do the things. Vis- envision the paper as the soccer field. Okay. Your goal it could be literally a focal point, a physical thing on the piece of paper. It could be a mental thing. Like, um, probably 10 years ago, I'd be like, my goal for this drawing is it for to sell. You know what I mean? Like, right. I want to sell 10 of these drawings. And that wasn't really, I'm not saying that isn't a good idea, but it wasn't a good idea for me because I felt I would over overdo. I would do too much. I wouldn't listen to the drawing. I wouldn't listen to the process. I wouldn't listen to myself. I would just be like, no, 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 no. This drawing has to be this or else people won't buy it. Okay. But now I've come to realize people appreciate the silly little bits, the silly little illustrations. Mm-hmm. But they, they appreciate the more sincere drawings. So going back to the soccer field, you know where you can and cannot do the things. But once you're on the soccer field, once you're on the piece of paper, whatever you do, make sure it's yours because that's what makes you stand out. And for me, I would say, I would, like, I'll say for this, like, right now I'm doing two Inktobers. I'm doing one for Batman and one for wrestling. And I wanted, my goal for my Batman Inktober is to make a cute, adorable Batman. Because everybody's going to try to make Batman, like, hardcore, mean, big muscles, (laughs) protein. No, dude, that's, that's not... I'm not saying Batman can't be that, but for me, uh, two days ago, it was rainy. So you're going to get a bunch of broody drawings of people standing on gargoyles with a mask and a cow and they're like, I mean, that's cool. But for me, like, I'd rather see Batman in the yellow, like rain jumper with the little hat and he's got a smiley face on him. (laughs) Cause it's adorable. It is. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And see, you're smiling. So that makes me happy. So um, I would say basically my, my process is, okay, what is my goal for this, this drawing, this piece? What am I trying to invoke? What feeling? Am I trying to like sometimes if I'm drawing, I'll, I'll look back at like the last 10 drawings and I'll notice, wow, I'm drawing really small people. Maybe for this drawing, let's try to make one person ginormous. There we go. See how that goes. And, uh, yeah, so just basically give myself a goal, but give myself enough room to shimmy around because I found sometimes what people view as mistakes, like a line goes array 
or you get an ink dot on it or your colors aren't just working, sometimes that is an opportunity for you to improv and to jump around. So if your goal is something emotional, something not physical or something you can't control, you have a lot more freedom in order to create. Did that answer your question? I think it answered it and then some. It certainly gave me a good insight on kind of your mentality when it comes to going into art because I know for everyone it's a little bit different. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is, that I totally agree with that. Now, for you, you have, from what I can tell through your website as well as through your Twitter and such, you seem to have different ways of actually conveying your art, whether it be digital, paint, drawing it, etc. Do you have a personal preference on how you create art? Basically for me, I have multiple sketchbooks on me at all times because drawing on paper is my foundation. It's my happy place. It's where I feel comfortable. Okay. If I'm sitting in a car, a bus, on a plane, if I'm just sitting at home, I got like 30 minutes myself. If I'm waiting between classes, if I'm at lunch, I have just the act of moving my hand on a piece of paper. That's what makes me feel happy. But if you told me you have to go to the beach right now, you can only use your left foot and you have to draw on the sand, I'm fine with that. If you told me I'm going to give you this piece of charcoal and you have to draw on the Kentucky barn in the middle of nowhere, I'm fine with that. But a lot of my work has become digital now because uh, I really like posting on social media. It helps get the art out there faster and it's uh, quicker. Right. And also I could reach somebody in like county Kerry, ireland that i would never have the pleasure of meeting before but because we have the internet we can connect or i can meet someone in osaka japan granted they're probably asleep right now but still the internet has given us way more opportunity to connect with people and also the digital process it's not that it's better or worse it's just for me a lot faster okay fair enough do you think that mastering all these different platforms certainly helps expand your creativity? It gives more opportunity to be creative. Okay. I would say that. Okay. That's a good way of wording it. Um, mm -hmm. With uh, with the plethora of different stuff that you worked on, which many people can see, like I said, with your social media, with your website and such, mm -hmm. do you have a personal, like, this is the best thing I've ever worked on or like, this is the, like, I have blast making this more than anything else? Same. Now, I, I would probably say there's a difference between a drawing that I felt I did really well on mm -hmm. and a drawing that meant a lot to somebody. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Because, like, I'll look at a drawing and I'll be, I could point out like six mistakes that I felt or six things I would do differently. But to someone else, to someone receiving it, they'll be like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. So I would say one of my favorite drawings I've done recently, I'll go back to the Batman and the raincoat. Mm -hmm. Is it the greatest drawing of all time? Maybe, maybe not. Did I have a lot of fun drawing it? Absolutely. It's one of my favorite drawings I've done since because it's just adorable and it's like the last thing you expect. Yeah, that that's, that's certainly a good one to definitely uh be proud of because it's one of those i remember actually seeing it myself and it looks absolutely adorable because <laughs> like Thank you because like you said yourself you don't expect that of batman so i mean of all people no 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 and like i've, I've gotten into not heated arguments but i have friends who really love batman and they'll be like batman can never smile he can never emote he can never feel bad like um i remember a lot of people weren't liking did you read Tom King's Batman, the most re uh, the previous run? I did not, no. Um, a lot of people didn't like it on Twitter. Granted, Twitter, it's a microcosm, but a lot of people were giving him, giving him gruff. And they were saying, this isn't Batman. Why is he feeling emotion? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, he's a dude in leather yeah. with a lot of money running around, like, I appreciate that he's feeling these feelings. And, like, I remember there's a scene where Damien, his son, asks him point blank, Dad, are you happy? Or Bat-Dad. I don't remember what he said, but yeah. he's like, Dad, are you happy? And Batman stopped for a whole panel and just thought, I'm not sure, but I'm trying. And, like, that, a lot of people didn't like that. That spoke to me. I liked that. 
that made me really, really happy. I mean, and it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no. I was just gonna say because you know, with that, I it's understandable. Well, I should say, people. I mean, I see why they were going with that way because it's one of those like a more human person to relate to. Whenever we're just given this kind of godlike, super duper detective or whatnot, it's, it's always yeah, bad, bad god. god. It's always. <laughs> It's always nice to see a more human side that people can relate to. And so I can sort of understand where uh, Tom King was coming from, if that's the case. Oh, yeah. No, no, yeah. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Now I was going to say, you go on real quick. <laughs> no, I was just saying, so yeah. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Sorry. Um, how much of an influence does do comics, especially Batman, how much, they, how much of comics like that influence your art and your art style? I would say very much so. Also animation. Okay. Because when I was younger, a lot of my art was consumed via... I remember grabbing my brothers... My, I have older brothers. Mm-hmm. And they're children of the 90s. So I remember grabbing um, Azrael Batman when John Paul Valley was Batman. And you got like this Batman with the sick claws. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I remember looking at these drawings and I'm just like, this dude has muscles on muscles. Like, what is going on here? There's a scene where, like, he has broken ribs, and he's, like, shirtless doing one-arm pull-ups in the Batcave. And I remember Robin's like, bro, are you okay? You should see a doctor. He's like, nah, I'm fine. Just going to start doing some pull-ups. It'll make me feel better. I'm like, that's not how that works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> you should. You, you have a bone sticking out of you, sir. You should go to a hospital. Uh, and then, um, so comic books, definitely. It's just like some of my first media of viewing comic books. And then animation. Huge, huge, huge for me. Uh, I remember watching Ren and Stimpy, Beavis and Butthead, Dexter's Laboratory, uh, Cowboy Bebop at a way too young age. <laughs> definitely way too young. Um Basically, anything on Nickelodeon and anything on Cartoon Network, Spongebob, huge, huge, huge. I, I'm almost 30, and I still quote Spongebob with my friends. There like we go. Nine. So animation for me, because it was a story in motion. And uh, it's not that I dislike print media. 2D media totally has its place. But 3D media, you have more opportunity for the slapstick. And for me, the slapstick is hilarious. There it's just go. a different mode of storytelling. It's not that it's better or worse. So a lot of my... And also the, the drawing style is simpler for animation because when you have a character that is a circle... Like Don Hertzfeld, revolutionary for me. Because I remember first seeing the uh, his film... Uh, my Angel! is bleeding <laughs> little tiny puff yes, balls I know yes exactly. exactly i know exactly or, uh, rejected wasn't it rejected i yes. was about to say untitled but i knew that was wrong <laughs> my spoon is too big it is a circle body person with a spoon and a banana walks up it's a banana it is like the I'm simplest a banana. i am a banana but it was the funniest thing i'd ever seen and i'm like wait i don't have to it's not that I don't have to draw completely realistic like the muscular Batman dude. Mm-hmm. It's just that there are two different ways of storytelling. So if you want to get your story out faster and you want to convey it with more people, go down Hertzfeld. There you go. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Very, very I look easy. like a ghost because it's <laughs> right on my face. I am sorry, people. I'm very <laughs> pale. Hey, it's fine. We get to see you. That's all that matters. Uh... <laughs> Well, as we continue to talk about like your influence with art and how different medias convey different messages, I want to go into this next question, which is brought to you by my friend Alex Foster, who actually recommended you to come on the show in the first place. By the way, for those in the what audience, do, baby? for those in the audience that are wondering if you want to see Alex yourself, uh, I would highly recommend his YouTube channel, Anime Egotist, where he and a close friend of ours talk about their different perspective and their different ideals when it comes to anime. Um, but for him, he was actually curious because, as you said, you're a fan of sports and all this kind of stuff. You're also a major fan of professional wrestling. Indeed. Uh, uh, does any of the stuff from that have an influence on your art style as well? Oh, absolutely. Storytelling. It's there storytelling in, in it, 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 it's, it's theater, it's physical, it's athletics, it's emotion. It is 
a theater in the round, which is one of the hardest things to do because you got to work everybody. Yeah. You know, you're not just working the people in front of you. Mm-hmm. You're working everyone behind you. You're working everybody in the grandstand. You're working the people in the front row. You're working people on television. You got to be on when you're doing it. And when people are on, it's one of the most beautiful things in the world uh, to watch, to consume. Uh, and uh, I really, really sincerely appreciate a good wrestling match. Now, that doesn't mean there's a lot of flips. That doesn't mean there's a lot of southern wrestling. <laughs> that doesn't mean it has to be in Tokyo. When it's good, it's good. It's just like art. You know it's good. It's sincere. It's coming from down here. Not the stomach, the heart. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Do you think some of the, the connections that you've made uh, with wrestling and such, do you think that has helped you out with your work? Oh, absolutely. Um, I would say some of my first memories of watching wrestling, uh, like I said, kid of the kid of the nineties, I remember seeing sting for the first time when he was Ooh. doing, uh, fighting the NWO, right? Good versus bad, but he would pop up when you least expect it. He was like a comic book hero and, uh, he would paint his face and he had his weapon. He had his bat and I'm just like, yo, he's literally Batman. <laughs> <laughs> this is hilarious. And um, they're, they definitely go hand in hand. Like, I think Edge said it best. Wrestling is superheroes in person. It's comic books made real. And um, it definitely it can help with pacing a story. Because uh, if your match is going to be 60 minutes long, if you start going full out in the first 10 minutes, we're going to be tired watching it. You're going to be tired doing it. Uh, you got to find the the high marks and the lows, the flow, and also it can help you with. Uh, whoop! Little frog jumped in my foot. No, <laughs> no, that's all right. It can help you with um, catchphrases like "if you smell" yeah. or things like that. You just borrow it because they're borrowing it too. Um, it also gives you help with costume design. A lot of people, like I have a few friends, they. They're into fashion, but they're also into wrestling because uh, somebody said it best. Wrestling's just drag. It's a drag show, and it's hilarious. They're people with costumes and entrance music. They're coming yeah. out to music. Yeah. They got a little moves. They got dances. It's hilarious. So presentation, color coordination, uh, poise, what a good person does what a bad person does, what a tweener does. Mm-hmm. It helps you understand like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Some people will say that's the ultimate good dude or some people would say he's the ultimate bad A. Like what did they do to make them do those things? Right, right. And also um, you could look at Kofi Mania or Daniel Bryan's story, people overcoming something greater. It's basically Joseph Campbell's uh, hero's journey. Like some of our favorite stories are the people chasing titles and the person holding the title is a vile, mean person. Like a lot of people like Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair. Now, did they like the matches and the moves that they did or were they more drawn to the story? Ricky Steamboat, ultimate baby face, Ric Flair, high flying, Rolex wearing. I'm saying it wrong. I don't care. <laughs> but we all know Ric Flair He's yeah. got all the money in the world. He doesn't have to be here, but he's got the he's got the title. Like we we want the title off that dude. He's a bully. We don't like bullies. So it, it definitely helps in that way. I don't. I'm rambling because whenever wrestling fans are given the opportunity to talk about re- wrestling in a safe space, they just uh, they just <laughs> no, go. Whoa, it's fine. amazing. I'll so say me. I'll say it's fine. Go on and ramble. I love hearing the rambling. Um, as a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and ask this: Who do you think is the most aesthetically pleasing wrestler? Like their body, or... uh, just their entire presentation. For me, I really right now enjoy. I'd have to say Toro Yano, okay, Yano in New yes. Japan, yes, because he is. I love it when wrestling. Like, don't get me wrong. I really loved Kota Ibushi's match at the Tokyo Dome with Okada. Mm-hmm. Like, I really loved that. It, I didn't like it when he landed on his head. Right. Because, Kota, please, we love you. Stop landing on your head. <laughs> but 
Um, I really like that match because I really like the part when Kota Ibushi, like, first of all, the dude is a meat stick. He's yes. got muscles on muscles. It's yes. hilarious. Um, but I really like Toriyano because he's just a dude in a t-shirt and he's trying to sell you the t-shirt. Mm. And he's like a caricature of a performer. He's just like, oh, yeah, 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 give me your money. Here's a DVD. It costs five, but I'll make a special deal. I'll give you ten. Ten dollars for you. Only you. Twenty dollars. <laughs> And he's just cheating to win. And he wins. But then he's just like, yeah, it's because I'm the greatest. And he runs away. Or uh, I really appreciate uh, Maki Ito. Okay. She's in uh, Japan. Uh, she's in DDT Pro. And she's also in Total Joshi Pro. If I said those wrong, I apologize. Um, she is a former singer, Idol. And it's funny because she says, I'm sorry. I'm very ugly. If I if my face makes you upset, it's not my fault. I was just born this way. I have a very large head. And she headbutts people. Her head her her ugliness is her weapon. Hey, yeah. And she she sings herself down to the ring. She does her dances because she's an idol. But she's like and she does it really well. And she's like, I'm sorry, I'm just not really good at those things. And then like the way that she wrestles and things like that and Ah, so I like wrestlers. I'm not saying that I don't like wrestlers with moves. Like I totally love wrestlers who have amazing moves, but wrestlers with the full presentation, like I was saying, uh, wrestling is basically drag. They got the entrance, they got the music, they got the moves, but they got the charisma, something to grab onto more than just flippy dippy dippy dippy. Right. Don't get me wrong. I love the flippy dippy dippy dippy. <laughs> and I just made the word up, but it's a good sounding word. I, I'm, Oh my god! During lockdown, I've watched um, a lot of the early thousand SmackDown reviews with uh, Cultaholic. They've oh, been okay. going over yeah. old SmackDowns. Yeah, and and I I, w I was peering back in to see why people were drawn to this. There wasn't much wrestling on those shows. It was more more characters interacting, and you just look at Dwayne the Rock Johnson before he was Dwayne the Rock Johnson, back when he was just the Rock ironic and he, he he just like the way he stood the way his jaw was up the glasses were on the the this everything about him you're just like i don't know why but this dude is the dude yeah. and i can see why they made a whole show on something he made up in his head and the way he just stands there and he's just like and you're like oh my god i get it but if you break down his moves the when he, he just basically, he goes to one side of the ropes, to the other side of the ropes, he stands over the person, he looks out into the crowd, and then he falls on his elbow. Yeah. In reality, that might not stop a lot of people, but the, the build-up to that. Or Tanahashi. Tanahashi is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time because he's basically like John Cena, but with more heart. Like, I love John Cena more now than I did back then. Tanahashi, his finisher, he gets up on the ropes and he jumps off the ropes. Nothing special. But the buildup to him getting up, like, his knees are terrible and he has to climb and fight against his knees falling apart. Uh, he, he literally says at the end of every match, I Samash, I love you. Love and energy. He's, like, positivity. Yeah. And uh, I'm like... Bro, yo, we need that stuff. And uh, he's literally, he plays air guitar. Yes. And there's music playing. And you're like, okay, we all know that the man is not holding a guitar, but we'll play along with it. This is awesome. I love this. Yes. I was going to say, I actually met Tanahashi earlier this year before all this pandemic Same. stuff went down. Yeah. He, he was a. Uh, uh, he, me and uh, me and my friend Alex, we actually went to the Atlanta show whenever they came to the U.S. or whatnot. And yeah, I went to the Miami show. There you go. Yes, <laughs> it's one of those. We I got, got us. Oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was gonna say we we actually got to do the the meet and greet beforehand with him as well. So like I I have that oh. I, I still have the signed photo right there, and I have the photo which I'll probably put in the video itself. But like of yes, us like please. with him together. Yeah. <laughs> so. I met him. I met him after the Miami show, uh, and he was going around the ring, yeah. and I felt like a little kid, and I just like put my hand out. And I was just like, 
Mr. Tanahashi, sir, please, please. And he just looked at me and he's just like, oh. And then he's, <laughs> he came over and he put his hand on my arm, on my shoulder, and we're just like, da da. And there I was like, go. this is the greatest thing in the world. Like, oh, and I'm still buzzing from it. And this is back in like January. Yeah. <laughs> And I knew he didn't know a single word I said because he tried speaking English after the show. And it he was trying very, very hard. Yeah. I got to give him that. But I just knew he had no idea what I was saying. I was just like, Mr. Tanehashi, sir, I really appreciate you. You're really awesome. And he's just looking at me. He's just like, I don't know what you're saying, but I thank you. I thank you for your energy. I was say you got Tanahashi uh, after the show. I mean, we got beforehand. I got Cole Cabana after the show, so there's that. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yes. Ultimate Cole Cabana. Yes. Did he, was he teaming with Yano at your show? Yes, he was. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? We actually, me, like, me and the friend, we actually went to see him afterwards, and we actually got him to say some words for another friend of ours who's actually trying to get into wrestling. And so, nice. Yeah, so, like, say some kind of, like, inspirational stuff, like, you know, get in the gym. You know, get working. I'll see you later this year. And that was obviously before yeah. all this pandemic stuff went down, but still. <laughs> I was about to say. No worries. Um, well, as we keep on to the wrestling, I, I have a fun little question that I thought up of. So a, as an illustrator, as Go an artist, it. you know, obviously you you know, you probably have some clientele. Let's say that in this fictional world, every single major wrestling company comes to you because they want you to make a children's book based on them. Who's the company that you go with? What wrestlers would you use? And what would the book be about? Personally, there's some I don't think it would be my story to tell. There's some I think it would be my story to tell. Right now, my mind is drawn to Daniel Bryan. Okay. Okay, so WWE with Daniel Bryan. But ROH, no, no, I'm just kidding. No, I have to say the Daniel Bryan story, the, I had the pleasure to meet him once very, very, very briefly. Okay. At a Comic-Con, but within like, just like the Tanahashi story. And also a shout out, if I was going to write a children's book without a company or with a company, I would also like to take a stab at the, to, to the ultimate person, Danhausen. Support that Danhausen. Dan Love that Danhausen. Love that yes, Danhausen. Dan yes, very nice. Very <laughs> evil. Very strong. Very strong. So if if I wasn't writing the Daniel Bryan, I would write the Danhausen story. Okay. There's a few other ones that I would like to, but I don't think it's my story to tell. But definitely the Daniel Bryan story because um, myself, um, like I said, when I was younger, I was bullied, uh, while I was in athletics, I'm not the tallest person. Uh, everybody's apparently six foot two. I'm not. <laughs> so growing up, I'd always be like, Oh, I'm the little guy. No, I'm just a normal sized person. I'm surrounded by giants. There you go. <laughs> and, um, so definitely the Daniel Bryan story, uh, or a John Cena story that basically, if I'm ever given the opportunity to tell a story to children, um, I want it to be a story that it's not about being successful. It's not about being the best. It's about being the best empathetic person you can be. It's about feeling with people. It's about working with people. It's about supporting one another. Um, and also, but the most important thing, support yourself. Whenever you talk to people, try to be supportive, empathetic as much as you possibly can. But especially if you're talking to someone and it's yourself, think of the little voice inside your head. If that voice, if you heard someone else say those words to yourself and you don't, you wouldn't appreciate it, you need to address that. You need to talk, listen to the little voice in your head. You need to tell them, no, 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 no. We got this. Because I remember when I was younger, probably why I was really scared is uh, there was a lot of self-doubt. There was a lot of, why am I doing this? What is it for? Things like that. The, the negativity. And if I was going to tell a story to children, I'm telling them, it's okay. Everybody has these thoughts, some more than others. But we can work together 
we can do this. We can do a lot more than we can think. We're capable of many, many things. Don't ever negate the potential that either you or someone has. And that's why I would use a character like a Daniel Bryan. Not the biggest, not the strongest, but definitely wrestled six times the size that they were. Taking out dudes like Batista and Triple yeah. H and Randy Orton, all yeah. on the same night. Yeah. And and injured. My fa- One of my favorite tropes in wrestling is, oh, I'm injured, but you can't see that, so I'm going to wrap bandages around me. That means I'm injured. <laughs> I, it's visual. It's stupid, but I love it. Um, overcoming, overcoming cheating. I think that's why I like sports so much because there is a ref. It's kind of a perfect world. There's a ref. There's rules. If someone breaks them, everybody calls them out nine mm-hmm. times out of the ten. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the ref omits the call, but we're human. We make mistakes. That happens. But if the mistake is in good effort, I'm all for it. So that's why I would say that either Dan Housen or uh, Daniel Bryan, if I was going to make a children book with a company or without. It, did that answer your question? No, it totally did. And then some like it was like I was expecting something a little bit more comical, but like you got something that was like awesome and like inspirational. I love it. Like a lot. Yes, that's the goal. That's the goal. I would definitely read both of those books. We need like Danny House would probably be totally open to that if we got in contact yes. with him. Yes, I actually have a yes. I have both uh, a face mask and uh, a shirt of Dan Housen as well. So <laughs> buy two more. Buy two more. Dan Housen support. Also, another big shout out. If I was going to do a children's book with Impact, oh, uh, Ethan Page. Yes. He's the man. There you go. He is the man. Uh, he is also. Yeah, he is. He's also the karate man. Uh, oh, that's the karate. Fish. I don't know if people know that. Right. Right. Spoilers. Spoilers. Super spoilers. Super spoilers. <laughs> um. Super spoilers. Well, since we're talking about like illustrations and books stuff like that, do you have anything potentially in the works that you can discuss, or is it just mainly focusing on like Inktober and such? I am working on another book. Ooh. Uh, Another book for me. Okay. Uh, that I'm writing and also illustrating and publishing myself. Um, I may or may not be working on other books with other people. I don't know if I'm allowed to say things like that. Right. Um, but I am working on a book for myself because that's, we got time. Uh, currently, I'm teaching and doing the two Inktobers and then just doing doodles in between. I've come to realize a lot of my stuff comes from those doodles that I do in between. And that's why I want to make sure when I, when I address people or specifically children, those little tiny silly things you think are a joke or a hobby, those might be the big things in the future. So never disregard those. Never, ever, ever disregard those. So I would say yes and yes. If if that makes sense. That totally does make sense. Um, well, speaking of like you said, you're making uh, your own book for yourself. Like I mentioned earlier, you do already have a book that people can go out and, and I purchase do. as well. The Animal Alphabet. Um, what was for those who don't know, what is the process of making a book as well as getting it processed and you know available for sale? So the way to get a physical bound book, you could literally make it all by yourself. You could, I've had friends who were printmakers. They get their pages, they print their pages. Um, they make multiple copies. They bind the books. Like when I was in school, I learned all this process and originally it was going to be that, but then I looked into it and, uh, it's not that I didn't want to do that. I wanted to try to get to, I wanted, it all started. I just wanted to make one physical book that I could be like, okay. Cause I think, when I made it, I was turning 26. Okay. So if I, either 25 or 26. And I remember thinking, oh, God, that's Batman's age. <laughs> oh, shnikes. Oh, man. He, he was already defending Gotham, and I haven't, I haven't really done anything. I've been in school this whole time. I should probably do something. So I made, like, two rules. One, get six-pack. Two, two, make a book. Okay. And... Uh, so I did those things. I there made my go. book. There we go. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm equal with Batman now. <laughs> so now I've taken Batman from the 26-year-old and I made him 35. 
And uh, I definitely have some goals that I want to accomplish before turning 35. There we go. Um, so the process of making the book, I wanted to do it. Uh, I wanted to do it. That's a lot of EDs, it past is. tense. It is. I wanted to make um, a book for myself, but I also wanted to make it so I can share it with people. But I wanted to start with one physical book. I want to, I believe I want to bubble or bump this one website. And they basically, you basically, you create the art, you create the layouts, they physically print it, but you own the, the publishing rights. Right. And I wanted to keep it for myself because the whole point of the book wasn't to sell the book. Going back to like 10 years ago, no. 10 years ago, I would be like, yeah, baby, give me that money. I need that money, honey. No, for me, I just wanted to make the book for myself. Right. But I have it on there because when I've shared it with people, when I've shown it to people, to be like, no, 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 no. I like this. I want this. We need this for our school. We need the – I want to share this with our – our library i want to share this with the kids here and i basically made it for the little like the the trying to say this without sounding silly i wanted to make it for younger me i wanted to make a book for when i was that age i wanted to make a book for that kid okay and when i make stuff that's cutesy fun and sincere i'm making it for that kid because like I think that's why I want to be a teacher and a coach because a lot of kids don't really get. They don't really get like the guiding hand that you wish you had when you were growing up. No, I've been fortunate to have very good coaches and very good teachers. But as I've grown up, I've come to realize a lot of kids don't. And, um, I sincerely try to live by to do the things that wouldn't be done unless I did them. I view that as my goal in life. What I can control, I want to make sure I got. And if things go out of control, it happens. It's understandable. But And there's things that are out of my control that I have no process or function upon. But the things that I know I can do, I want to make sure that not only am I giving 100%, but I'm giving full attention, full sincerity. And that's why another reason I made the book and another reason that I draw every day. It's a mixture for me, but it's also an opportunity for me to share with somebody because... I recently actually got a message about some of my Batman drawings and somebody was saying, oh, my kid really, really appreciated those. And they've been drawing ever since she started doing those things. And that, that, that makes me feel really good. And I, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I like. Uh, Sorry if I didn't answer uh, your question. No, 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 you, you did. You did. And I, I really do actually appreciate that. And I, I do want to say, like, personally, it's always incredible to, like, see your artwork. It, it really Thank is. Because, like, you know, it, it's stuff that, like, I look at myself and I think, like, this is, like, the silly stuff that I would appreciate, like, growing up as myself. You know, it, it's exactly. Always, yeah. And it's like, for example, on your website, like the first thing you see is like a bunch of like '90s movies and such remade with penguins. I thought that was absolutely amazing. Quarantine is crazy, <laughs> but at the, at the same time, like it, it's it's awesome that like you would go out of your way to like do this little vision that like maybe someone may have had, but like no one's actually gone out and done it and like to actually see it and like to to see all the stuff and especially now that I'm hearing like the impact that it has on you as well. It's it's absolutely incredible. That you, you've made it, you know, they've done this stuff, and I sincerely hope that you keep going with it, because it's absolutely Thank amazing. Um, Thank you. Speaking of keeping going, you mentioned that you had goals that you'd like to accomplish by 35. If I may ask, what are those goals? Some of them are personal, some of them are art-based, because right. um, I always view myself as a work in progress. Right. And there's always room for potential. So some of it might be get in another rugby game 
as soon as possible when rugby starts back up. Right. Uh, score another try, make another tackle, uh, lose with grace because you can't win them all. Right. Um, help somebody learn something they never learned before or help share something or have someone go, ooh, I've never seen that color before. Or, ooh, I didn't know dogs could look like that. That's amazing. <laughs> or um, definitely do another round of Penguin movies because that was spurred from – that was spurred from – my favorite animal is a penguin. They don't have knees. They're adorable. After this interview, go to YouTube, type in penguins going downstairs. Because they don't have knees, they have to jump. It is oh. hilarious and cute. So I definitely want to do another round of those. And the reason I did 90s movies is because I remember growing up, my, I have three brothers. There's four boys. Mm -hmm. The only way my mother could get us sedated was put on a movie. So Tommy Boy, Wayne's World, Happy Gilmore, all that stuff. That's how that's how we that's how we bonded. We talk in movie quotes to this day, our family. And uh, the the Penguins was my stamp on it. Uh, Kyle Starks, amazing, amazing, amazing art person. Um, said I I I had a conversation with him, and he said. Put things into the world you wish to see. That is creation. That is what you're meant to do. That's not me specifically, but that's what people right. are meant to do. Be it uh, if you make donuts. I love donuts. If you make a different – like I love seeing donuts that I may think never work, like with different types of toppings on top. Like mix – take that idea of salty and sweet. See how far you can push it. Does pineapple work with chocolate? I don't know. I'd like to try. Go. I ain't going to say no. <laughs> so things like that, be it in art or in life, try things you've never seen before. See how it goes. It may work. It may not. But if, you, if it doesn't work, you found one way it doesn't work. Or is there something you could do different? Uh, be it with relationships or how we talk with people like um, – I realize some people appreciate Monty Python quotes. Some people don't. Some people might know exactly what I'm talking about when I say, I'm not dead. <laughs> and then the people would just be like, why is that man saying he's not dead? He's obviously alive. <laughs> I'm not dead. I feel happy. I feel happy. Oh, shut up, you. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> oh, do us a favor. <laughs> so... So some people might appreciate that. Some people might not. So, yeah, just don't be afraid to be yourself. Okay. I don't know how we got to this. Part I don't of the know. E I don't know either. But I love it. I, I I love. I just love this kind of stuff. This is why I love making this podcast. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but with that last question, I I don't have anything else. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say? Um. Be bold, be you, be beautiful, be happy. Do the things that make you happy. Do three times a day. Drink your water. If you can, do your flexibility. Do your skincare routine. Um, call someone you love. Tell them that you love them. Support Dan Housen. <laughs> Support Dan Housen. <laughs> Support Dan Housen. But, yeah, just... Do the things that make you happy and share them with the people that you love. All right. Well, like I said with that, I that's all the questions I have for you. Go ahead and plug yourself for the people at home. You can find me on Twitter. I'm blanking on my Twitter handle. I'm guessing it's at M-C-K-N-U-T underscore four five. It was college. <laughs> I had a weird nickname. That's my football number. There you go. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I believe it's Maddie McNutt. Once again, college, college. nickname. <laughs> college. It'll get you. You can find my website, mattmcknightart.com. It's the one with the penguins. And, um, yeah, have a beautiful day. All right. I mean, 
I can't think of a better way to end that on. Uh, thank you, Matt, for taking time out of your day to sit down and chat. I really do appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Um, thank you. To everyone else at home, hasta luego, amigos. I don't speak French. <laughs>